Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and tonight I'm joined by the ever-faithful, the amazingly strong, the crazy of crazies, Matt. How you doing, Matt? Hey, pretty good, Lance. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Yeah, man. We did uh, it. We did it. We survived 2020. Here we are. Did we? <laughs> um, I mean, I feel I like feel it like... scarred all of us in ways that <laughs> we will, no therapist in the world could, could yeah. fix what's happened. To yeah, 2020 us, was terrible. And on a personal note, too, um, I personally ended up with COVID. Um, I was out of commission hardcore for a while. Um, and, uh, and, of course... Uh, we've mentioned before um, uh, several members of the old world podcast team are either involved directly in healthcare or supporting healthcare in some sort of way. And so as you can imagine, it's been busy. And uh, I really, I think Matt, we talked about this earlier, but uh, listeners, my like favorite TV 30 second TV is, is the match.com commercial. Um, where Satan and 2020 um, find each other and fall in love. Um, I thought it was quite... It fits quite well. Yeah, it, fits, it does. It, it almost too well, actually, when you think about it. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can attest, I spoke to you on the phone several times when you were in the throes of COVID-19, and it was not good. You did not sound good. And boy, am I glad to hear that you're doing better, friend. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of hoping that my voice is like lower and more octave now, but maybe maybe not. So <laughs> I think uh well, hey man, what uh what what kind of stuff have you been up to? Have you had any time for games or or otherwise? Dude, uh, to be honest, not really. I I so when I was sick, when I was like really sick, I basically moved from the bed to the couch and back again. Um and in that time I, you're going to, if, I don't know if you ever played Final Fantasy VIII, right? But Final Fantasy VIII has a mini game on it called Triple Triad. So I literally played hours of Triple Triad. So I played a game inside of a game. I had no, I had no desire to actually play Final Fantasy to win this game, though I need to. I literally just wanted to play Triple Triad because it was like a card game inside of this game. So nice that I did do some gaming. So Triple Triad in Final Fantasy VIII. What about you? Nice. So I can officially announce my favorite video game of 2020. Uh, it is basically the only type of gaming of any kind that I've done in the past like three months. Uh, between we, my wife and I have an online business. So this time of year, we're super busy with that. Yeah, You know, the kids were home the whole time, so we've been busy with that and, and just holidays in general. But uh, so a buddy of mine was like, hey, you got to try this game called Hades. And mm. I downloaded it, and it is literally all I've played. Uh, Hades is a roguelike game, action-adventure game, where you play as Zagreus, the son of Hades. Huh. And you have a horrible relationship with your father and some of the other underworld gods so you're trying to escape. So it's roguelike. 
every time that you make an escape attempt trying to make it to the surface, you're going through these different rooms, different levels, different uh, like overall underworld areas, and there's enemies that you have to fight. Every so often, they're one of the Olympian gods will give you a boon. So like Poseidon will drop one of his boons. You can pick it up. Every time you pick one of these up, it gives you an option of three different uh, upgrades from that god. Hmm. So is this Hades, mobile? It's actually it's on Steam and has been on Steam for a little while hmm. longer, I think. I've played it entirely on the Switch. Basically, the only thing that I've played on my Switch since we got it. But it is superb. So as you go, you're getting more and more of these boons. You can focus on creating a specific like type of talents. As you go, there's different weapons. There's different ways of like customizing the weapons. And there's an incredible story that plays out. And I, I never expected that a roguelike game could have such a good story. And it, to be honest, I, I haven't played too many of them. I've talked about a few on the show in the past, but this one is... The artwork is awesome. The voice acting is awesome. Every time that you finish a run, whether you die or you complete an escape, you when you come back to the underworld, everybody that's there has a different thing that they want to that they can talk to you about. There's these overarching quests. There's people that you can you can help and uh, upgrades that you can get. And once you finish it, once you make a full escape uh, to the surface, when you come back, you can make the game harder by giving enemies a boost or giving yourself a time limit or making healing items give you less or making the things that you can purchase cost more. I literally cannot recommend it enough. It is so much fun and hands down my favorite video game of 2020. I, I bought cyberpunk 2077 on its release and that had maybe one of the worst releases in video game history. Uh, I haven't had any issues playing it, but I will tell you that the whole time I had the controller in my hands playing Cyberpunk, all I wanted to do was put it down so I could play Hades. Wow. Wow. It is a superb, superb game. And I actually only found out recently that the company, Supergiant Games, that did Hades, they've only made, this. that's their fourth game they've ever put out. Their first one was a game called Bastion, which I played on Xbox years ago, maybe like a almost a decade ago by now. And it was absolutely fantastic as well. I didn't realize they were the same company. Otherwise, I probably would have bought Hades a lot sooner. So wait a but, second. Uh, so this this beats out Red Dead Redemption for you? Well, I, not necessarily. I, I would say without question that Hades is a top, easily a top 10 favorite game of all time. It might even uh, go, come up higher than that. But for 2020, just the year 2020, it's definitely my favorite. Red Dead 2 came out back in uh, 2018. It so did? It's been a little while. Yep. Oh, so it must be all these expansions you've been talking about all these times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Red Dead as I Online, say, Nolan, Nolan, the Lord of the Underdeep, might be angry with you. I'm just throwing that out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, well, even Borderlands 3 came out in, technically, that came out in 2019. So, I. Yeah. I so, you're good. Red Dead 1, 2018. <laughs> uh, Borderlands 3 won 2019. But this year, for me, it's definitely Hades. Check it out if you haven't. It is. An excellent game. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, before uh, we move on, uh, we should probably say some thank you to some of our patrons. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, their generous donations help to make the show possible. Um, So first up is Adam Dagna. 
Uh, thank you, Adam, for having an easy-to-pronounce name, and I probably still pronounced it wrong, but still, thank you for being a supporter, Adam. We appreciate it. Yep, you are helping support the show, and it definitely means a lot to us. We'd also like to thank Paul Spindler. Paul, thank you so much for your support. You're helping us continue to put out quality content in the world that is always grim and always perilous. Right. Thank you, Paul. Really appreciate it. So thank you, everybody, for your support. Um, if you'd like to join these fine examples, uh, you know, to buy us a beer, some tea, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us for just a couple bucks a month. You can help us continue to bring discussion and actual play in the uh, grim and gritty world of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Uh, you can uh, find that on patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast. So I think we have news some news to go over a, a fair bit of news actually a fair yep so we're going to go through it quickly but before we do that matt we talked about this before the show and all i have to say is that 2020 was terrible and i can think of no better way to send 2020 on its way than to find out let's roll on the critical chart in warhammer and find out exactly how 2020 dies all right, I've got my dice right here. So I'm going to give them a roll. We figured we're going to add. How much do you want to add to the roll? 120. No. <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense, actually. Yeah. I feel like at a minimum we should add 20, but I feel like 2020 is together 40. So I think we add 40. Okay, so we're going to add 40 to whatever to I roll. roll add 40 to the roll. That's 2020. And I think we okay. need to do the quote-unquote worst of three rolls. That's how Ooh, I feel. Oh, worst of three. Okay, yep. sounds good. Let's send 2020 out with a bang, shall we? That's right. And by bang, I mean with a black powder weapon to <laughs> right. get it away from us. Ooh, 17. That is not, no. that is not good enough. Not that good enough. Not roll good. again. 89. Yes. That might be our winner right there. That probably is. 76. So 89 at plus 40. 89 at plus 40. Where, where, what location? Ooh, I rolled a nine. So I think that's the head, isn't it? It is the head. <laughs> it is the head. <laughs> nice. Let's do this right. All right. So, uh, was that 129? 129, which uh, which converts to a 100, the highest number on the chart. Oh. Um, Hallelujah. 2020, you have been decapitated. Your head is entirely severed from your neck and soars through the air, landing 1d10. Go ahead and roll it. Seven. Seven feet in a random direction. And uh, your body collapses instantly dead. See you later, 2020. It's been real. It's Please been... never, never <laughs> talk to us again. <laughs> right. Awesome. So if we're being super honest, not everything was bad about 2020. And uh, one of the cool things is, is Cubicle 7 did give us a lot of releases right there at the end. Um, and yeah. we've, we haven't had some consistent shows for a little bit, so we kind of have a lot to talk about with the releases. It's because they've been coming fast and furious. Yeah. Um, and faster I have to, than we've expected. Yeah. For sure. Faster yeah. Faster than it's been in the past. <clears throat> and I think cubicle seven definitely wanted to go out with a bang on, uh, in the year of 2020 for sure. 
Right. And so I think uh, our last show we were recording with uh, uh, for the uh, Death on the Right Companion with Graham. Yeah, with Graham. And yep. I mean, I think that day, like hours before we started recording, recording, we got the Middenheim PDF. Um, so yep. that one was awesome. Um, I've uh, I've actually read a big chunk of it. I'm not completely through it, but I've certainly read all, gone through it, like um, as far as like skim through and stuff. And great stuff in there. Uh, I think we were mentioning earlier we quadruple the number of human uh, like backgrounds or whatever because now we have. Reichlander, yeah, right. Middenlander, Nordlander, and Middenheimer. Um, and then we also added a new career on there, the which is pretty Wolfkin, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, so we'll we'll talk about that book at another time. But that was a great release. But One right on its heels, man. That. One huh? thing I want to mention about Middenheim is that it. Is going to be that's that's our template for these location books moving forward. That you know we know that Altdorf is coming, right? We know that there's going to be a lot more of those in the future, and knowing that they're likely going to be similar to the the Midheim City of the White Wolf book is good news because there's a lot of good content in there, and as always, it's laid out well. The artwork is really nice. There's a small so bestiary in there, yeah, which I, I yeah, like. Expect a more in-depth review of that coming from us in the not too distant future hopefully. right yeah and then uh and then that was followed up pretty quickly um with uh with another release right on its heels yeah it was i mean it might have only been was it within a week or maybe a couple weeks not we far our, <laughs> yeah archives of the empire part one so I, I wasn't like i knew what to expect but i also didn't know what to expect with this book I knew we were going to get some, uh, how did Dom describe it? It was almost like if you would put articles together and, and I think, um, Graham described it that way too, like kind of different articles together in a, in a book, um, that were about role playing and, in different sections and stuff. And it, it's great. The archives, uh, the, the forests of Lorelorn having information, ton of information and great maps there. So, yeah, it has, in addition, it talks about Imperial Dwarves, Karak Asgaraz, um, four new careers, um, including mm -hmm. two halfling careers. We have a breakdown of the Moot and Imperial Halflings. And, oh, man, just so many new options. And I got to say, like, when it comes to Badger Rider, that's my little oh, clap. So Awesome. Yeah, well, I cannot wait to talk about Badger Rider for a career episode or whatever, whenever we're going to talk about it. Um, oh, yeah. I'm excited to dig into that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so that was just, it was a pleasant surprise. Good lore information, not overwhelming amount of lore. So like with Middenheim, I get this 100-page book that like gives me details and details in the city. Everything I need to have many, many, many sessions there and and have lots of adventures right so this is more of a we're going to give you a wider range um like kind of not as deep as like middenheim obviously we don't have 100 pages to dedicated to each of these areas right but like um just some great stuff and um i gotta tell you i will say this so i've read this book and i originally if you would have said hey lance i want you to do an adventure in the moot and I would have been like, okay, I mean, it would be fun. 
But now that I've read this, I'm like, dude, man, that could be one heck of an adventure in the movie. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, same kind of stuff that we always talk about. The There are adventure hooks just peppered throughout every single chapter of the book. Um, again, just like Middenheim, though, we'll, you'll, you'll hear a, a more in-depth review from us coming out soon. Right. Um, we also got a new adventure, um, Old World Adventures, The Spirit of Monstile. Um, Monstil. Uh, so that is, I like how they kind of been doing, like, here's kind of a Halloween theme, and here's kind of like a Christmas sort of theme. And yeah, uh, yeah so they were really, it's really cool um, to have that as well. So that's been upgraded for fourth edition. You can pick that up. And then before the end of the year, Cubicle 7 wasn't done. They gave us power behind the throne. <laughs> that could... was a bit of a shock, too. I mean, the <laughs> fact that it, it snuck in there right at the end, it, uh, it seems like they're back on track. I know that we have harped on them, and the community has harped on Cubicle 7 for some of their release dates and not being able to, to stay consistent and not always having the best communication, but... At least for now, we're we're getting the communication and they're getting us releases in a timely manner, which is fantastic. Yeah, we just had a new article um, where Emmett breaks down kind of production of everything that's in production for, uh, it sounds like, the year of 2021. And I, it looks good, man. Um, we'll, uh, I, I can actually go over some of those details in just a, a minute. But, um, yeah, man, I uh, it, it is... It is really good communication, right? And and I don't, I'm not asking that Cubicle Seven control all of the things that they can't control. I just want to, I just like they're talking to us and let us know here's what we're thinking. And then when something doesn't work out, they let us know. And so it seems uh, seems to be going really well. Oh, we get into the new year and we're not done with releases yet. Yeah, the Shrines of Sigmar was a smaller supplement that came out very much in line with the monuments of the Reichland and even like similar, I would say in a lot of ways to like the buildings of the Reichland as well. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. But they're all kind of in the same vein, but this one is uh, definitely, definitely most very, similar to the monuments. Yeah. To yeah. the monuments um, where in, you know, it has a breakdown of secrets and stuff like that, which I just think yep. is so cool. Yep, this one has four shrines, and each one has, you know, uh, artwork and a couple pages worth of information, secrets, and different things that can happen. So if you pray at each of those shrines, there's a table of different things that can happen based on your prayer. And that's, yet again, something that I I definitely eat right up. Looking right. forward to including that in uh, actual play at some point for sure. Yeah, and I like how, man, these are kind of like mini adventures too, where you can easily flesh it out to a full adventure or make it like a side quest, right, or something yeah. like that. Um, and that's kind of like even you mentioned earlier the um, buildings of the Reichland, right? Like adventures of the of the or Reichland or one shots of the Reichland, rather. You know, coming out to supplement that, like, all right, we gave you a bunch of cool buildings. Here's some quick adventures for each of those buildings. Yeah. Like, again, I love that kind of stuff because it allows me, like, when I'm stuck as a GM, I can take that. I don't have to pull out a full campaign to figure out 
a one shot, right? I can just go, yeah. boom, here we go. I like this idea. If I want something now, let's be clear, like story hooks, like plot hooks, you have so many of those for all these products. That's not a problem. But if you want something a little more refined than a story hook, but not necessarily like a big, huge adventure, these are perfect. Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. So, all so, right, so that brings us to an update that they just recently put out with all of, of what to expect in 2021 with release dates and a timeline. Let's let's get at this because there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah, well, so, and they showed the picture too, the art release of the um, – the power behind the throne collector's edition too in that article. And it just reminded me like, um, man, that those glossy silver, Oh, they're really cool. So the, there's one with Ulrich and, and one with the ax. So it's, it's awesome. Anyway, sorry. I just, I like art. <laughs> oh, sorry. So we, I don't think we need to go over all of these things, but I think the important stuff is, is a lot of the stuff that we already have out in PDF is set to ship in quarter one or quarter two. Um, if you're looking for specifics, go ahead and, you know, go to cubicle sevens website, um, at cubicle seven games.com. You can find this article. Um, but I think there are a few that we should mention oh. that I'm super excited about. Um, for sure. Yeah. Q1 and Q2 sound like they're going to be pretty busy, which is a good thing. Right. Right. And Q, man, Q2 is where things start to get crazy awesome. Um, so Power Behind the Throne Companion should be out in Q1. But the Q2, first one in Q2, um, oh, no, this is Q1. Or I guess here's the thing. Patrons of the Empire, one and two. They're two PDFs featuring interesting patrons to meet in the old world. And it says expected to release in the next few months. So that's, that's really a Q1 thing, which is pretty awesome. Oh, for sure. And even the, the power behind the throne companion, if they're, if the, you know, if they keep to their timeline and things work out, we should see that within the next couple of weeks by the end of February at the, the latest, hopefully, hopefully that's definitely like, like all the companions. That's a book that we are, super excited to get our hands on for sure um more uber's Reich adventure for uber's Reich adventure 2 um so full the full it'll be complete by quarter two it sounds like but we'll be looking at some more stuff coming very soon this one i'm really excited about altdorf pdf quarter two um horned rat and companion can't believe this quarter two for pdf release um and after the stunning Archives of the Empire Volume 1, we get Archives of the Empire Volume 2, and you heard it, Quarter 2 for the PDF. That's going to be a busy time. Mm -hmm. Let's hope that things work out. And uh, so Quarter 3, we got some more goodness, too. Um, Empire and Ruins and the Companion. So we will... With our PDFs, it looks like by the end of the year, we will have the full Enemy Within Director's Cut. Um, and it'll actually be in stores by quarter four is what they're hoping. So, um, But I will admit, probably... So I'm a little worried I'm getting my hopes too high. <laughs> but the Imperial Zoo, that one is supposed to be quarter three for a PDF release. And that one might be the one I'm most anticipating as a GM. Um, for a, sure. A bestiary. Um, just, I can't wait. I can't wait to see. I We know that uh, TS um, has uh, been writing for that. And, uh, 
you know, he was the one that did the excellent second edition um, B series. So I'm super excited to see oh, yeah. what we have in store. Yeah. So a lot of good stuff on the horizon uh, from the sound of things. 2021 is going to be a really good year. Let's hope that they don't run into production issues and that uh, we can get these products and, and get, get to adding them into our game. Absolutely. All right. So let's, let's move on to the meat of the show. Uh, we already talked about it a little bit. Um, we're exploring careers in this episode. Um, and most of our career episodes so far have had one or two flashy careers, right? Um, but not this time. Uh, this time we're reviewing the humble townsman and villager. Um, and these have been actually, believe it or not, heavily requested, especially by our patrons, um, wanting to hear our thoughts on, on these two careers. So, um, this one should be a lot of fun. And then of course, at the end of the episode, like we always do, we'll have a little competition where Matt and I will put our creative juices to the test in a career build-off to see who can build the most interesting characters. So uh, we'll throw that up on our social media so you can uh, vote on which one you think is cool. Also, uh, don't hesitate to let us know if, if there's a career you want us to cover in the future. Send us a line uh, you know, to one of our social media accounts or to our email, um, questions at oldworldpodcast.com, and let us know what you want to hear about. Um, so, old worlders, be sure to open your shop on time and then labor under your master's cruel oppression as we review the townsman and villager on tonight's show of the Old World Podcast. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Lance, why don't you go ahead and tell us about the villager? The villager. So, um, the villager is a very general, and we're going to see this in both uh, cases, but in Warhammer, Think of your feudal, uh, medieval villager, farmer kind of thing, right? Dirty, grimy. Now, then add on to that the fact that not only is there potential bandits in the woods, you know, there's potentially goblins and beastmen, and you have to do superstitious things to keep back the spirits. And, oh, by the way, hopefully none of that stuff causes you problems to deliver your crops on time because... 95% of everything you do is going to be taken by your Lord, you know? And so it's just kind of the, it's the, it's the grim and dark to the nth degree on an already pretty rough type of lifestyle. Right. For sure. Yep. Um, and I want to mention too, that villager encapsulates a lot of things. Um, so in some of the previous versions of Woofrup, you had delineations in careers between like, uh, herder or a farmer or charcoal burners, right? The villager encapsulates all of those, right? So all of those types of menial peasant sort of jobs that existed have been kind of put together into this one career path. So like woodsmen, millers, heart herders, farmers, charcoal burners, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all encapsulated in the villager. So yeah, pretty much any rural Yes. job that you would have is where the where the villager is gonna um and i want to say low, lower class rural right for in the, sure in the warhammer right middle class this isn't representing the middle class that's more what we're going to talk about next with townsmen but right yeah this and is, that, that's reflected in their social status too oh it, it's not until tier four that they get out of the brass uh social status so you're not kidding that hurt that hurts so uh, races that are available, dwarf, halfling, human, and gnomes, uh, your high elves and, and 
all of your elves. They they're not they're not villagers. So our advanced scheme is is very interesting, and, and this is something we're going to talk about throughout my discussion of the villager. Well, there it's in stark contrast to the townsman as well. Yes, yeah, it is, and yes, yes. So, and I actually think, and we're going to talk. I'm going to talk about this probably more towards the end, but there is an interesting parallel between that's that's not exactly parallel, but it's interesting between the villager and the beggar. So, uh, but back to the advanced scheme: strength, toughness, and agility are your tier one, um, and then weapon skill comes in at tier two. Then you have fellowship at tier three and intelligence at tier four. So getting started on the peasant, um, tier one, it's called the peasant. Um, status is brass two. Um, and you got skills, animal care, athletics, consume alcohol, endurance, gossip, melee brawling, lore local, outdoor survival. Endurance is your money-making skill, which I, which I think is hilarious because it's essentially like you make money by just enduring whatever you have to do. Right. Well, and that's thematic too, right? Like yeah. if, if you're out in the the way out in the forest or in the woods or in a field that's miles and miles outside of town, you're going to have to be able to endure. So therefore, it makes perfect sense that that would be the skill that that you would uh, have your income based on. Yeah. And it's, an, it's a very interesting collection of skills too. Very thematic. Um so talent, so you have Rover, which is like a bonus to rural stealth test. Um, str yep. Strong back and strong minded, which um, gives you a bonus to um, like encumbrance and opposed strength test for strong back. Strong minded gives you bonus resolve. So it's luck, you know, um, except for resolve. And then stone soup, which we talked about at length on the beggar episode, which is just kind of a cool talent. One other big part that I think you're about to get to is that tier one for the villager has no trappings. Yes. Yes. So remember, we always talk about, man, trappings, the best trappings in this book are the ones that are thematic. I would argue the fact that none is there is thematic for villager. Oh, for sure. Oh, man. Even, you know, and what's funny is even the beggar, I think, starts with a crutch. Right. So, oh, man. I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. So let's move on to tier two. Tier two is where the villager really starts to get some definition. Um, so it's brass three. You don't go up very high in status. You get skills, drive, entertain, storytelling, haggle, melee, basic trade, any dodge um, is, is your skills. And then animal affinity Hardy, tenacious, and very strong are your talents. So I want to point out two things. For your skills, you really start to get I, I trade any, right? So like you might be a farmer or a like we were talking about, a charcoal burner, something like that. You can't really get those trades that you do until tier two. Like I really think the point here is tier one, you're just the laborer. You're doing all right. the crappy stuff. You don't actually get a trade. Once you become a villager, then you can start to work on a trade, really understand the farming or the whatever else that you're doing. Um, I want to point out that there's a lot of uh, interesting things you can do here. Hardy and tenacious and very strong. Like you can really start to build a very tough character, which is similar to the uh, beggar in a lot of ways. 
Oh, absolutely. Very strong is the is uh, just a plus plus five to your strength yep. characteristic. Yep. Right. Yep. And that is the first of several talents that are similar to that across this advanced scheme. Yes, absolutely. And before we actually, I forgot to go trappings, right? So you get leather jerkin, hand weapon, which is specific and axe, and then trade tools. Um, so it's a, uh, it's a very interesting, interesting. Uh, I think we'll talk more when we talk about roles, because I think that's where a lot of sure. this really starts to come in. So let's go on. To well, I think, I think we should also state real quick that, between having strength and toughness in tier one and then weapon skill in tier two, that is all the, the fixings you need for a strong survivable character Yes, in this world. So having those along with um, very strong, tenacious, hardy, those all, all together, like you were saying, tier two is really where you can, you can kind of really get, get to see what the villagers made of a little bit. I agree. And all those together really are going to make for a strong, a strong character. Absolutely. So um, moving on to tier three, you have the counselor at brass four. He's still only moving up tiny bit every time. Um, Skills that you get is bribery, charm, intimidate, and leadership. You'll notice there's a a shift here in the types of skills um, where you get uh, talents include craftsman, deal maker, stout-hearted, and very resilient. Um, So a lot of uh, talents and skills here that start to move you away from the labor-y type of stuff and more into the craftsman sort of stuff. Um, Trappings includes a mule and a cart, a village home with a workshop. So you're moving up in the world, not sleeping in the barn anymore. (laughs) I mean, you're only going up by a single level of brass, but (laughs) you're getting there. Uh, this is where you start. You can start leveling fellowship, which yes. does make sense when you have things like charm and leadership as the skills that you could advance in this area. Yeah, also, very resilient gives you that plus five to toughness. I'm not. I haven't looked to check, but I imagine there's not that many characters that have multiple that have that talent that's available to them, or that many of the plus five characteristic talents, which taken at the right time is you could get a basically a huge discount versus what you would get having to spend experience to level up those characteristics. Well, and the thing is, yeah, because it's not affecting advances, it's affecting the base um, stat. Right. um, It's always going to be a massive boon for you. Um, Yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah. So very resilient and very strong. Like it's, there's some, some cool stuff you can do here. Um, and stout-hearted is a fun one where you get a bonus for cool test against being broken. Right. <laughs> it's, there's some cool stuff, man. So um, tier four, our final tier, Village Elder, which is silver too. Woo! You make a little bit of a jump there. Um, skills, you get intuition and lore history. Um, and then talents include master tradesman, right? So again, doubling down on the tradesman stuff. Nimble fingered, which gives you that bonus to dexterity, public speaker, savant local, which we talked about savant in one of our recent episodes. It's uh, where you just know things right without having to test, which is just a fun talent. Um, and probably my favorite trapping of this career, uh, the trapping is the respect of the village. 
Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it is legit. So let's let's talk about roles. We're I think we're going to have the most fun here. So tier one peasant, and I I love to hear what your thoughts are on this, Matt, because this is one of those few careers where, in my opinion, and, and prove me wrong here, talk talk me out of this. I don't think it has a good role at all. I put like support question mark question yeah. mark. But I, dude, I literally wrote support with a question mark next to it. It's the only thing for tier one because it's it's not, you know, you could, I guess you could be a bit of a tank in a way because you could boost your strength and toughness, but you also aren't going to start out with any armor, any uh, decent weapon. Right. So in a big part about being a, to go. Yeah. I mean, a big part about being the tank in this game is having a different, a, a decent um, melee or dodge skill because that's how you avoid damage right. in the first place and you don't have access to either of those at tier one and in even as a support character right you don't have the fellowship skills and as a support all of your skills this is how i feel like peasant most of your skills are about survival but not survival of a group survival of yourself sure yeah and so i feel like it's not a terrible career but this definitely falls under one of those like tiers where figure out what you want and then get out, move on to the either a new career or go up to villager because for sure you're not gonna do a whole lot here. It's interesting and there are fun things to do, but all, remember all those skills you still have access to those skills once you move up to villager. So right. it's not like just grab whatever talents you think you want and then move up. That's that's for my sure. suggestion. Yep. Yep, or either move up or move out. Yep, exactly. One of the the nice things about the villager is having that initial uh, ability to boost strength and toughness, but that's that's the best part of the first tier of this career for sure. Yeah. So then tier two, this is where, as we've already said, we start to get definition. And to your point, I think the villager can be a decent fighter. Oh, for sure. I mean, you can, you're boosting your weapon skill at that point. Mm -hmm. You have a uh, hand weapon. Also, being able to boost up dodge, very strong, tenacious, hardy, all those things tie in together to, to make fighter a legitimate possibility once you hit tier two. Right. And it's not just that. Getting access to hardy is, is and I know you just mentioned this, but I cannot understate how, like, if I ever have a character and I have access to hardy, like buying Hardy is never a question. It is a thing that will happen. And then the right. question is, how many times am I going to buy it? Because I think at getting two levels of Hardy at 300 experience is a steal, especially if you put some toughness, get that toughness over uh, right. 40. You're, you're looking at 100%. Yeah. And that's, and that's huge because a hit that you could take, you know, you might never get a critical, but you don't have armor, right? So you got to be able to soak it with wounds and, and you can really do that. This is, and especially like, right. We're not talking about, you're not chasing down knights and heavy armor here, right. Or fighting bloodthirsters, which this is woofer up a knight fighting a bloodthirster is going to die. Right. So it's, it's oh man. And I think you have a secondary role of support. And the reason I say that is because you get access to a trade skill. Um, sure. Yep. And, and I think that that can be a decent money-making setup for the, the team. And you also get access to, like, Haggle, which without Fellowship yet, it's still uh, uh, not super great support. 
but you can do things like drive and keep in mind you get access to agility so drive is based on agility and i can tell you in our actual play like drive has come in handy a couple of times there's several occasions where not having somebody with a decent drive skill could have ended it poorly absolutely so tier three um counselor I think this is pretty obvious, right? With access to fellowship and several fellowship characteristics and, and uh, or sorry, um, skills, right? Uh, you can be a decent face character at counselor. Yeah. The only thing that holds me back from saying that is the social status. You're still only brass four, yeah, even at tier true. three. That's so, true. Uh, being able to boost fellowship, having some of those skills and talents definitely helps. Although you don't, I don't think you get the talents. Um, the only real face talent you ever get is public speaker, which isn't until tier four. Right. But, so maybe, maybe as a secondary role, but I also think it's kind of like beggar. If you remember, we had this discussion with beggar where, you know, don't like, it's important to remember that the, um, it goes the other way, right? Nobles going into like a commoner's bar are j- going to have just as much trouble as a, commoner going into the nobles you know restaurant right you're you're gonna run into like um issues that's gonna affect your fellowship you're gonna have negatives to that right so so like in their realm right of brass i i still think it's a decent um and if you don't have a dedicated face character i could easily see you being the secondary role of a face um if you if you stick with villager long enough to get to tier three And then tier four, I think it's kind of more the same, a little more face, a little more support um, that really gets you with commanding presence and master orator um, yeah. and schemer like in your um, and that schemer. Sorry, um, I was looking at the wrong one. Public speaker yeah. and, and master tradesman. Right. Those are the it's really how do I say this? It's not about, you're right, there isn't a strong face here, but they have, Master Tradesman, man, you can you can do, you can make some money if you do it right. And I know you're only silver too, but you can, there's some stuff you can do. And I fully expect as we get more uh, rules about crafting and things like that, I think these tradesmen and artisan kind of careers will become, you know, more desirable. Oh, for sure. All right, so how might you fit this career into an established adventuring party? What are your thoughts? Uh, there, are, there are so many here that really jump out. Some things as simple as you just you come you enter a village, and the villager is there, right? It's somebody that's been established there for a long time, and either they aspire to be more than that and want to go on adventures. That'd be a great way. Maybe you come across a village that's been destroyed by greenskins or you know, some other, some other uh, thing is burned the town to the ground and they're one of the only survivors. That'd be a great way to enter into a group. What about you? What do you think? I, all of those are ideas I came up with. One thought I also had is if you have a story where like the GM is going to focus on a very specific local area, like the village and the surrounding area, having a villager could be a strong tie in right to that party. Um, For sure. Uh, anybody that's really looking for like a rags to riches story, um, you know, and especially like how many, how many books, right. I think of like the, uh, 
the Wheel of Time series, right? The villagers from a far off village in the Podunk uh, all end up turn, you know, eventually becoming, you know, massive, powerful influencers in the world, right? So, I mean, you can have that story of we all came from, right? The the classic uh, Final Fantasy story: you come from a little village in the mountain, you know, and eventually right. save the world, you know. So there's 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 some stuff ideas on the stories there. What about uh, obvious options with good synergy? So I wouldn't necessarily say there's a lot that are great. I think overall, this is a great starting career that you can adapt into anything else, especially another one that has in that same lower status level. So I, I think that if you are someone that wants to be like a badass fighter in the group, don't be sad you rolled up a villager. If you can be a yep, little patient, don't sleep on it. Yeah, yep. get to tier two, grab Hardy. You know, build your toughness and strength while you're there. You know, and and your agility. I cannot stress that enough. You're fighting a dragon. You ain't using weapon skill. You're using dodge. Right. So you know, just g- build those up. Grab some toughness and some wounds and some strength and weapon skill. Right. You can put XP into stuff you would do as a soldier or whatever anyway, and then move out of villager into the soldier or whatever else that you want to do, the bounty hunter or whatever it is. I, I really think that a good synergy is a fighter. If you're willing to be patient enough to get the, because what I, here's what I truly think. I think the villager, if, if you're, if you're purposeful in the way you build it and you know that your end goal is to be a really good fighter, I think the villager is a great choice to start. Um, yeah, I think so too. You build a solid support with Villager and then go get all your flashy combat talents in a different career. Yeah, absolutely. I originally wrote face and then I kind of scratched it out. Like would it, honestly, by the time you get to any sort of real face stuff, I would have argued if you want to be a face character, you're not staying in Villager till tier three. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. So I own, I honestly, the more I think about it, the more I think that if, if, if you're looking for a face character, it's this bad synergy. The only reason I would say transfer to a face character from this is if for some reason you thought you wanted something different and then changed your mind, then you'll have a well-rounded character. There's nothing wrong about having a tough character with lots of different skills. Right. Um, so that's strong and has good weapon skill. Right. So what type of player would most enjoy this career? Um, I think a patient player was one that really jumps out because you, like you said, that that first career level is really, there's not much going on there. It's not until you get up to that second tier that things start to get a little more flashy. So someone willing to grind out that first tier is what comes to mind. So not necessarily a a one-shot worthy career like some of the other ones are. Yeah, I... Here's the thing, um, and I wrote, anyone that wants to be tough and can handle the low status. And I think that's that's the big piece of this. Villager, for me, the biggest strength of Villager is building upon something that's combat-oriented or or something that's tank-oriented. You, you are... This is also good if you, like, fall in love with your character... This is not a bad place to be. It's tough. There are a lot of skills and talents here that can help keep you alive. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I agree with you. Someone that can be patient, though, probably sums it up better than my notes. So, uh, probably someone that's looking to immediately jump into combat. Obviously, Villager is not for them. You know, Villager is a slow burn to do anything like that. So, okay, final thoughts and overview. Here's the part where I want to talk about the beggar. So this is an interesting, because as I was building this, I kept thinking about the beggar and how the beggar is something that we've talked about really encapsulates survival and toughness and right resistance to disease and all of those kinds of things. We talk about it at length. They also have access to Hardy early on, and you can build a really tough tank with a beggar. We talked about that at length. And I said, well, what's the difference here? And so I started looking at it. And they are almost, to an extent, like a mirror of each other in certain ways. So, for example, your villager starts with weapon skill, at, or uh, gets early access to weapon skill, rather, right? Where the beggar gets early access to willpower. The beggar starts with fellowship, but the villager starts with strength, right? And then later on, the beggar ends up getting access in, like, tier 3 to weapon skill, and the villager ends up getting late access to fellowship. So it's almost like they're on the same parallel pass, but the way they're going about it is different. And then they switch at the end. And so I really think the point here is like, do I want a tough as nail character that is going to transfer potentially into a tough fighter? Villager is a choice. But do I want a tough character where I'm going to eventually really go into a fellowship-based career, but I want to make sure I have somebody that's tough before I do that, beggar is a great option. And I and I think looking at it that way really helped me identify where the villagers' strengths are. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think you, you summed that up pretty well. I think it it's having some of those early characteristics is really helpful. But again, it's you have to have a long-term plan when it comes to a villager. This isn't one where you're going to want to sit and sit and and keep boosting and building up that first tier you need to either um move up or move out i think is is a pretty good way to summarize it yep i agree i agree and with a thousand xp that we have right um this oh is, yeah it's, e- it's easy to, to make a character yeah. when you've got a thousand xp well, but it sorry or maybe not easy but it's easier than if you're starting out mm-hmm. and only earning 50 or 100 xp per session right so but like i think about this right So let's say you started as a soldier and I started as a villager and we both wanted to be a fighter of some kind, right? So a thousand XP in, I'm tough, but I'm not probably really dealing out any damage. But like 1500 XP in, I've now switched to my career and I'm starting to grab all those combat specific talents. Yeah, I am tough as nails and I'm going to be tougher than your soldier. And I think that's to me like a... it it encapsulates exactly what you said right if you're patient what you can do with villager is really cool and i don't know tier one man i don't see a lot of people staying as a peasant in tier one forever uh get out quick (laughs) yeah even even the talents that are available in there rover strong back strong minded and stone suit unless you have a plan for those, mm. they're not, yeah. they're not ones that really jump out of you. Right. I mean, strong minded is solid. Yeah. I think there's, you know, if you want to have some more of the stealth, the stealthiness to you, then Rover's okay. But overall, they're, they're not ones that you're going to want to save up for. Oh, I need to have all of these talents. I want to get this one twice before I, right. I move, exactly. on, move on up. You're going to take one because you have to. 
and then see what comes up in mm. the future. I think that sums it up, man. So that's a villager. Yeah, so I I found it pretty interesting actually comparing the two. So villager is the as a, a lower class for sure, and kind of the uh, what you find on the outside of town in the smaller villages out in the country in the rural areas. Right, townsman is similar, but in within a city, right? Uh, when I think townsmen, especially after looking through and reading it, these are aren't going to be folks that are in your average everyday town they're going to be in the like a little bit bigger or not out in villages but in in a little bit larger towns in the cities uh and that's reflected i think a lot in in quite a bit of their their uh build yeah i agree and one thing i wanted to point like you might have a townsman in a a village but like he's the one reputable person in the village right like he's the innkeeper or she's the you know the the person that actually owns the special ranch or something there you know like it's it's that one person in the village that actually has any sort of sense in money and style and they're the townsmen but otherwise all of those other townsmen they're in a town or a city i think yeah yep so if you want to follow along at home townsman careers on page 67 of the fourth edition core book the only race that cannot be a townsman is a wood elf so dwarf halfling high elf human and gnomes are all eligible for this career when so it the book describes this as the the hardworking glue that holds the urban society together these are your your people like uh bankers <laughs> clerks innkeepers newspaper vendors and so on really kind of falls in that that uh i guess middle class kind of right. kind of concept it is and in the warhammer world right this class warfare thing is is a big theme right and the middle class is growing and merchants are becoming powerful right in their own right so like i think this is it's a very interesting right warhammer does a good job of shining a light on the differences and like you would think oh man middle class doesn't exist in the warhammer world it really does and it's it's an interesting concept but of course it's warhammerized so it's i almost think of of the the townsmen are like they're the people like the villagers know that beastmen exist and all this stuff and townsmen know too, but they might've never seen one. Right. Right. <laughs> Where... Well, and that, that is so well reflected in their advanced scheme, their skills and their talents, which mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll may as well get to now. So this is the advanced game specifically is where I feel the villager has some advantages over the townsmen. Because a townsman never gets weapon skill, never gets strength, never gets toughness. Which the survivability aspect of a townsman versus a villager, there's no comparison there. Uh, so the townsman starts out with agility, intelligence, and fellowship. Which, if you've listened to me talk in the past, you know, fellowship, being able to boost that early is something I always look for. I think that's a great skill to be able to advance. After, once you get out of tier one, tier two, you can boost your initiative. Tier three is dexterity and tier four is your willpower. So the lack of any weapon skill or strength and toughness is going to be a little more limiting as far as what role this character is going to fill. Your your only survivability skill in combat is really agility. And, right. Uh, I, I, and, well, and, and you get dodged right yeah. out of the gate, which ties in mm-hmm. well to that. Right. Right, but that's but that's your only trick in your bag, right? Like, that's it. 
you 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 better hope that you dodge because if not, you don't you're not going to have the wounds or the toughness or anything else to to deal with it if you do. Right, <laughs> right. This is true. So the skills that you get at, at oh say another thing real quick at tier one you're a clerk and I was pretty surprised actually to see that at tier one your social status is a silver one which seems high to me um not that i'm complaining necessarily but it seems like even even in like a larger city at at such a low career tier you shouldn't necessarily be that high up in the social standing you're still you know a uh, i guess like an average worker in you know a various business see so it doesn't sorry go ahead. Oh, i was gonna say i was thinking the same thing and then i thought about it a little more and i really thought about it right so like you know um oh my daughter got a job working as a serving girl at the local inn like oh my gosh thank thank the lord she doesn't have to work in the in the fields anymore and she gets decent pay like i feel like silver one actually can make sense in those sort of situations like as a serving girl maybe not necessarily but if she's a clerk like someone actually kind of running the bar or whatever like i could potentially see it like i get what you're thinking because i thought the exact same thing and i really thought about it quite a while and i wonder maybe it does make sense right but to a certain degree i don't know right well by comparison the village the villager it, it didn't get up to silver until tier four right and at that point it was silver two you get silver two in your second tier right as a townsman so going through tier one your skills are charm climb consume alcohol drive dodge gamble gossip and haggle so you've got some more of those um social face talent uh, skills right out of the gate mm-hmm. your talents are alley cat beneath notice etiquette servants and sturdy and your trappings are lodgings and sturdy boots i really think the trappings for this career really underscore the townsman theme throughout right yep as you go as you work your way up you're you you know will end up having a modest townhouse and then a, a standard townhouse and at the very end a large townhouse with gardens and servants so you could see moving your way up that list for sure right so nothing really to write home about here as far as talents sturdy is a is a decent talent that uh lets you gives you bonuses when uh using uh strength to lift uh it helps your encumbrance as well but alley cat beneath notice depending on your play style or or what you're thinking you're going to want to do if you're going to be in a lot of urban environments that those would definitely be worth going for those will help uh or I'm sorry, alley cat specifically will help let you get around in the, the back alleys and the streets without being seen beneath notice is one I struggle with a little bit. I understand beneath notice in a lot of different careers, but this one's starting at level or at silver one. That's, that's a significant advantage over a lot of other careers. And it seems to me like you're, depending on the circumstances you may not come across that many people that are uh, like above you in status at least starting out right i think it it has limited utilization because i can definitely imagine the 
burgomeister or the town councilor or the noble walking into a shop and treating a clerk like they would any other servant. I don't care that sure. you're middle class, right? Like you're beneath me. So like I, I can sort of get it, but I think this skill is way more powerful in a lower tier. There, yeah. There's and there's not a lot of uh, you know talents that can say that where it becomes more powerful the lower status you have. But this is one of them. Oh yeah, for sure. So moving on to tier two, this is when you become a townsman. Your status is silver two. Skills here are bribery, evaluate, intuition, lore local, melee brawling, and play any. With the talents of dealmaker, embezzle, etiquette any, and gregarious. Which gregarious is a great talent. That's one that Mm -hmm. in any career I'm playing as, I'm going to snag that because being uh, giving you an advantage to... Yeah. gossip tests is super helpful uh and then the trappings finally a modest townhouse a servant and a quill and ink you know i find it interesting that you have quill and ink in tier two but you don't get read right until tier three i didn't notice that that is interesting i suppose depending right i mean perhaps you use your your quill and ink for uh i don't know drawing making signs or things but even then you're still not being able to read or write is going to make that the utility of that a little bit less. Yeah, actually I can't even see a skill that would tie in with it. Like, cause sometimes you get like art, you know, right. or something like that. Right. Or I yeah. suppose, you know, as a townsman, maybe your boss would just copy this. You don't have to understand it. Sure. You know? But yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't noticed that, but uh, yeah, being able to fully read and write, is mm-hmm. uh, you wouldn't need that necessarily if you're just writing the word sale over and over again in your shop or <laughs> right. writing out the value of the items that you're selling or something. I, uh, yeah, I, I, did I think I should point out um, the villager never gets access to read and write. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. And actually, not it, doesn't get access, it doesn't get access to play either, which I feel like a villager should have access to play like an instrument. Right. Like, I feel like that's a thing. They, they have to right? They have to. But maybe the point there is, is in Warhammer, villagers don't have time. They're too busy trying to survive. Sure. Yeah, this townsman, right. the townsman is the one. Uh, so I kind of knew what I was going into with villager. Like, I knew what to expect a little bit. Townsman is the one that surprised me as I was going through it for our show. Yeah, it definitely has has face written all over it. Right. Which we'll, we'll get to here. We'll, we'll see that more in some of the towns in Tier 3 and 4. Um, tier 3 is when you can start leveling up your dexterity, which is helpful with uh, if you end up taking the play skill in tier two, dex- being able to boost dexterity is going to be helpful here. Mm. Uh, your status has a pretty significant jump all the way up to silver five at tier three with the skills cool, lore, um, lore law, perception, and research. Talents, briber, public speaker, read, write, and supportive. Trappings are a coach and driver and a townhouse. Which so supportive. You, let's talk about supportive in the same way that we talked about the beneath notice. So you, sure. you're now at a tier five silver five, and supportive is only good against higher tiers for fellowship. So essentially at this yeah. point, nobles. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So silver five, there's not gonna be that many that are gonna be that you're going to come across that are going to be above you. It's a, it's a cool talent. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's one of those, it's, 
I think there's only two or three talents where they're really so much better at a lower status and supportive is another one of those. Right. I do. Uh, so I wonder as far as the trappings go, if you're, you start with a modest townhouse in two, then go to a townhouse, then large townhouse. If you're selling and buying more homes, or if you're just continually increasing the value of the one that you have. I, I like that thought. I think so. We really need to do an episode about home base and uh, how that oh, can yeah. be beneficial for for uh, for long campaigns, especially. But I feel like the townsman is definitely one of those similar to noble, though. I think noble and we again, we need to have an episode where we talk about noble. That'll have to be its own episode. But, I think so. But uh, noble, I think, is dangerous. It is dangerous. And if not handled well and, and I I. I want to be careful. I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but we as a group, I feel like have handled noble pretty well, but even we have been not as careful as we should have been in some instances where noble has become a problem. Right. Right. Town, townsmen, well, well, I mean, Conrad basically is like a blank check, like yeah. a walking check. I mean, we, <laughs> I feel like you've been pretty darn lenient when it comes to the amount of funds that he has at his disposal. Mm, yeah, no, you're not wrong. And, uh, but I think it's also furthered the story. And I think that made the, the sacrifices and leniency worth it. But, but yeah, but we, we should be careful because that's a, again, a whole episode's worth of discussion on that. But my point was, is that a townsman is kind of like a lower level version of that where like, like with a noble, it's like you're building up your servants and more and more power. With a townsman, you're kind of building up your home base and you're adding a couple servants and coaches and stuff here and there. It's yeah, not sim- quite noble, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like a much lesser version, uh, and dare I say, a much less dangerous way to have a pretty big incentive as a player to build that home base, right? You For know, sure. Our party works out of the the townhouse, right? It's don't get me wrong. Our party works out of the manor, and it's it's was pretty awesome. But the, I feel like the townhouse will feel more like there's more ownership to the group because it's less of a, as you said, blank check kind of situation. Well, yeah, and so, something that they've had to earn, right? right. As right. opposed to just daddy, having daddy it gave you're it to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so jumping up to tier four. At this point, you're a burgomeister, which is like a chief magistrate, city executive. You you know all but are running the city in, in some fashion at that level. Status is gold one. Your skills here are lore politics and intimidate with the talents commanding presence, master orator, schemer, and suave. Love schemer. I love schemer too. I also think suave is so good to yeah. get late in the game here because at this point you have gone through three tiers having fellowship the ability to boost your fellowship which you're likely doing all the way through knowing what we know about this character this career and and how you're going to advance it so by the time you're ready to take that talent that could be i mean to get five i know it's not advances but a five point boost to your fellowship could be hundreds of xp being able to drop a hundred and get five points is significant oh huge huge for sure um it's it's like you're getting it at a half or a third of the price essentially oh yeah de- depending yep. on where you are in building that fellowship so 
the uh the trappings here too uh, it really like you could you could take the talisman all the way up and then transition immediately into a noble career because at this Mm -hmm. point you have the chains of office a coach and footman quality clothing a large townhouse with gardens and servants i mean you have all the makings of a of a nobleman at this point yep absolutely or or a major like politician i think that is something that this uh, this career gave me the feeling of as like somebody that started out in town and they built up enough respect and enough recognition to, you know, end up having a seat on a council or something of that nature. Right. You're at this point in the Warhammer world, the nobles now view you as a threat. <laughs> right. That's, that's really how I feel about it. And if you're in a free town, then you are one of the powerful people in town. So yeah, yeah I agree with you. Uh, on that for sure so as far as what roles this career can fill there's really i mean it can you can be a face right out of the gate having silver one as your social status that's enough to to be a decent face in addition to being able to boost your fellowship your skills charm uh gossip haggle all tie right into that in addition, having if you decided to go the alley cat route or even beneath notice, you could be a decent infiltrator or even like scout at, at tier one. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. Um, it's uh, it's definitely a potential option there, especially in an urban environment. Um, and I think that utilizing this kind of stuff can can make it a decent support character too. just with access to um, beneath notice is to me, it's similar to like an infiltration, right? But it can also, hmm, as I'm looking at this gamble, gossip, haggle, those are all things that could, and since haggle is your money-making skill too, those are things that you can help to support the, the team as well. So yeah, I agree. I hadn't thought of the infiltration, but you're right. Um, it From an urban That's environment, definitely- especially... Yeah, it's definitely second to yeah, yeah. A, f- a face character, which is what this career is start to finish. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you never, there's not even a, a uh, the slightest resemblance of a, a fighting skill or talent across the whole thing. Yeah. So you are, if that's the route you want to go, this is not the career for you that much I can say for sure. Yeah, I literally wrote face slash support for all four tiers. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what do you think? What are some ways to fit this career into an established adventuring party, Lance? Well, one of the ways I think is similar to what I said in the villager, right? Like if you're having uh, if you know, you're going to have a story that's surrounding a town or takes place mostly in this town, um, a a villager is a no brainer, right? An easy way to fit into the party. But um, one of the things I also wrote is use a plethora of jobs available, right? So like, for example, if you're going to run a river-based campaign, for example, then your townsman can be a clerk at a shipping company. Or if, if you're part of a gang of thieves, your townsman could be, you know, somebody that's working on the inside, you know, or there's a, you can, because there's this similar to the villager where this covers so many different jobs potentially in the town. And I think in some ways, because it's town-based, it's much more flexible than the villager is in this way i feel like 
you could almost get a villager, find out what everyone else in the party is going to do and what the GM's idea for a story is, and then make your villager fit without a lot of trouble. That's my thought. Right. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, a lot of the, you could do the same thing with a villager or with a townsman as we did with a villager. You know, you have a shop that closes. So the, the mm-hmm. worker is now out of work. They need something to do. Maybe they want to go on adventure. They aspire for more. Perhaps your party meets the shop owner. The shop yep. owner needs needs the townsman to accompany them on the party. That's not unlike Hag from our actual play. Yeah. Although he decided to be the one to, you know, go with the party himself. But I think I don't. I imagine you probably did whip up a character. Was Hag a townsman when you thought him up, or or what career was he? Actually, so he was a townsman without. Uh... I, I'm just trying to think of where we are and what we've released from the episodes, but um, he his original job was essentially a clerk. So okay. um, yeah, so yep, you're you're right on, man. Now that's not where he ended up by the time he encountered the party, but that was his original build. Right. Okay. Which makes sense, mm-hmm. knowing what what we've seen so far as uh, with this uh, with this career. Right. So advancing into other careers, good synergy is going to be anything. Um, you could very easily move into pretty much any courtier career with ease because you already have a lot of that, the standing that you're going to need in pretty much all of those. Um, any higher status career, any face career that you wanted to continue. Um, you do get um, the fact that you can boost intelligence early is really helpful if you wanted to even move into like a magic career perhaps uh you do get willpower as well but that's not until tier four which is uh, obviously a ways down i think and and one i wrote down which to me really called out is a merchant right you can move from almost any point in this townsman to a merchant it would make a lot of sense and almost everything that you would do in townsman would help you in a merchant career sure Yep, a lot of crossover with the merchant on mm-hmm. advanced scheme. Um, even a lot of the the talents just whipping through those really quickly. There's a handful of those that you're going to find in uh, a cross between the the townsman and the merchant as well. Right, and plus access to a bunch more of those um, those like plus five talents, right? Like right, like suave and savvy and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I don't believe there's any of those that you get as a townsman. Uh, which tier, is a little surprising. Tier four, you get suave. Oh, suave, right? Yeah, yeah but that's, that's pretty far out there. But right, yeah. So, but you get access to suave at tier one with merchants. So, just a thought. <laughs> that's true. Uh, with bad synergy, any career that's going to be fighting focused mm-hmm. is going to really struggle if you're yeah. moving out of townsman into that career. Yeah. The lack of strength, toughness, and weapon skill, like I said earlier, is really going to cripple this when it comes to fighting. Yeah, it's a, that's a that's a problem. And one of the few, like I often say that in Warhammer, it rewards well-rounded, you know, building of careers. But having a heavy, heavy face character and then trying to build a combat character out of that, like, sure, you might be able to handle yourselves better in a situation, but you're going to almost always want to talk before you fight. So it's it's almost counterproductive. So right. you could do it, but yeah, I wrote I wrote bad synergy any fighting career. For sure. Yeah. Yep. That's I verbatim what I wrote on mine as well. <laughs> nice. 
So as far as people that would enjoy this career, I think anybody that enjoys being a face type character, a very social character uh, would enjoy this quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I think you also have to be peaceful and non-aggressive because if you're going into the game, wanting to be a badass fighter or somebody that can dish it out, you are going to find this career very lackluster in that category or or even take it right. Like, so you could, you could do the villager and not really be able to dish it out right away, but you could probably take a hit or two townsman, depending on your initial roles for stats, might not be that way, and you may never get to a point where you can really take a hit. Right. So. And that's I think that's where the, the biggest difference between the villager and the townsman is, is that right there. Right. That you can, you can be uh, an okay fighter and an okay uh, survival-based character pretty much right away or within the first two tiers of villager, and you literally never get that right. in, in any of the skills or talents that you're going to get as a townsman. With the and I think, I think thematically dodge. too, yeah, that's true. Um, I think, well, yeah, it, dodge is great, and the fact you can boost agility right out of the gate definitely helpful. Right. That's. I will say that I feel like the uh, it's very thematic, right? Yes, like we said absolutely. with the the villager, you're you're out in the woods, you're doing these things yourself, you're roughing roughing it, you don't have the luxury of being in a town that has all all the things that you're going to need. Whereas the townsman does have all those things and therefore they're not as hard. They're not as, as tough. They're not as grizzled as uh, a villager by any means. Right. Right. I keep thinking of this as the way, like the, the townsman is the refined version. And I say that very, very lightly uh, of the villager, like the villager, like, Oh, someone killed the beast men and put their head on a stake in town square, right in a village square. The villagers are like, Oh yeah, good job. Farmer Stan. Did you need some help planting your crops? Thanks for taking care of that for us. Right. Whereas right. in the towns, it'd be like, man, you could charge entry to see that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. All right. So final thoughts when it comes to the, the townsmen, Great face character, decent social standing right out of the gate. This is your middle class working hard to potentially come upper class by uh, by the end of it. But the lack of weapon skill, the lack of strength and toughness hurts. And it's one that, I mean, in a game that's so focused on it, the world being dangerous and dark and... Uh, it's it's a it really hurts not having access to any of that. Yeah, I wrote down it's a it's a fellowship slash support uh, career with good status. Getting silver two, and then tier three silver five. Um, you can really, I really think that the best balanced face character is a silver character. Um, it's just you can go slum it with the, you know with the farmers and the servants a lot easier as a silver character compared to a gold character. And, right. and I think, I think that this is a great face option, but to your point, uh, man, if you are going to be frustrated that when a combat comes up and you're like hiding behind a crate, you know, <laughs> you know, as opposed to charging in, then this is not the career for you, man. And, and I mean, there are face characters out there that are tougher and 
you know, go go take a look at them. Some of the religious careers can be a lot better support while they also have good fellowship. Um, you know, so like if you want to be more involved in that kind of stuff. But you can really build a strong face character with decent money-making potential and a decent status. Villager surprised me, or uh, not Villager, but Townsman surprised me. I think yeah. Townsman had more... Like I said, Villager, I kind of expected after Beggar what I would get with some tweaks. But Vill- Townsman was the one that, man, I don't think I'd ever take a Townsman for World Up. And how many times do we say that when we do these episodes, yeah. right? Like, now I'd seriously consider it. Yeah, it really depends on what my goal was as far as my character is concerned or what the the party's goal was and what, what kind of antics we think we'd be getting ourselves into. Right. I think there's there's potential in both for sure really is going to depend on your play style yep i agree all right well woo. let's move uh, on to the character build off so now that our review is complete we're going to put our creative juices to the test with a build off we your hosts have each taken the uh one of the careers that we just described and made a character in hopes to outdo each other in a contest of coolness and creativity once we reviewed our creations, we'll put them to the test and have you, the community, vote and tell us who wins the contest. So here are the rules. Each of us will be assigned one of the careers we reviewed, and then we must create a career using the normal character creation rules. In addition, once we have completed the character creation, we receive 1,000 earned XP to advance our character however we'd like. And now that we've created our characters, we'll present them, giving a little bit of background and talking you through our character creation and advancement process explaining why we made the choices we did. All right. Um, characters, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Sure. I'll go first. All right. So I made my character and right out of the gate, I always just anticipate being a human and taking that bonus XP unless I have a specific character build in mind. But wouldn't you know what? I rolled a dwarf. I rolled Are you a dwarf. serious? I you did. actually so. rolled it. Please tell me you cap it. I, oh, of course I did. Yeah. I didn't necessarily want a dwarf, but I rolled it, and I felt like that was a sign. I feel like if we ever roll uh-huh. into one of those non-human careers, we just have to take it. Yep, yep. I can't argue with that. Yep, so I took the 20 XP for being a dwarf. I did not end up rolling Townsman, so I had to just take that for mm-hmm. no bonus. And in doing the attributes, a couple big standouts, toughness, I mean, it's really easy to get a high toughness with a dwarf, but right. my toughness started out at 45 with my least, my lowest skill being fellowship. Again, not super surprising at only 17, Ooh, man. which hurts. That hurts bad. Yep. That hurts. Did a bit. you switch them around? Nope. Decided to stick with it. Oh. Uh, I mean, realistically, I, I couldn't have got it that much higher, but um, I, yeah, I just decided to stick with it. So yeah, 17 in fellowship, uh, 50 in willpower as well. Which nice. for a townsman isn't isn't uh, huge necessarily right out of the gate, but it doesn't hurt to have a couple of those being really high. I mean, right. willpower bonus helped too with my uh, wounds, of course. But and cor- so I did get that extra. Too. Willpower is huge. Right. Yep. So I got the fifty XP for keeping my attributes as is. Decided to go with uh, balanced it out uh, exactly with having uh, two fate and two resilience. Mm-hmm. Motivation is fame. And I took mm. those first advances into fellowship, of course, because I needed to get that yes. up at least a little bit. Yep. Species skills, I took cool melee basic, 
because I felt like I needed to have at least <laughs> yeah. some advance in that if uh, I was going to be a character that's going to live more than a day. Yep. Uh, and then <laughs> prayed. Uh, this is something we didn't actually talk about, and I want to take a second to talk about it right now. The townsman never gets any access to a trade skill, which right. despite the fact that they mirror the villager in a lot of ways, not having a trade skill is was a, another thing that surprised me a little bit and I think hurts the townsmen a little bit as well. I think it does too. And I honestly, what I think it is, is I think it's the, the, the designers trying to separate artisan from townsmen and make it a clear break. Sure. But, okay, yeah. but I agree that it feels like townsmen should have access to a trade some somewhere in there, maybe tier three. That's a good catch. So the reason I mentioned that is because with my, I took five advances in the species skill trade for my dwarf and specifically it's trade instruments as in musical mm, instruments. Cool. So the uh, skills with three advances, endurance, consume alcohol and lore metallurgy. Nice. Species talents. I have magic resistance, night vision, read, write, strong minded and sturdy. Um, went pretty much straight across. I already, as far as my uh, advances in career skills, I already had three in consume alcohol, so I only put two in that and put the rest into gossip. And the career talent I took is sturdy, so I actually took that both as a species and as a career talent. So nice. I've got uh, got two hits on that one. So as far as trappings go, you don't get a whole lot. The cl- uh, class trappings for burgers, the best thing I come out with is a dagger which doesn't get me very far, but I did end up with five silver shillings, which is pretty decent uh, being able to have a little bit of spending money. Um, and the trappings, of course I had the sturdy boots, which are super fun, despite the <laughs> fact that you, as far as the uh, armor points and armor values go, you can never really get anything specifically for the feet. But I said, you know what? These sturdy boots are so nice. I gave my right and left leg each <laughs> a point of <laughs> armor. Cause why not? All right. So, the as far as the way i built the character um i wanted to get out of tier one pretty quickly there weren't outside of having the sturdy talent there wasn't a whole lot else there that i really was in love with so getting up to tier two pretty quickly was was a goal of mine so i dropped five in agility five in intelligence got up to, to level two at this point i put five into lore local and I put 13 advances into the play skill, which is available at tier two nice. and specifically play a loot. Sweet. I love where this is going already. Took, yeah. I took a couple talents, dealmaker gregarious. Like I said, gregarious. I love that talent. So I took it. I also took the etiquette talent, uh, but I put it as etiquette musician. Although I feel like a more generic term and maybe what they would the you know the way it would function better would be to call it etiquette performer so i took that and then with my last bit of xp i took five more advances in gossip five in intuition five in evaluate and one in bribery to spend every bit of my xp that i had available so that is how i built it obviously i put a ton into play which i have um the uh with that's a dexterity based ability or skill i mean and so i have that all the way up to 50 which is pretty good ties right into my ambitions which is to write a hit song and become a well-known musician so my character's name is galazil hamitson (laughs) who is a dwarf townsman uh 
up to Townsman, level two of that career. Uh, 62 years young, four foot, five inches, with golden hair and hazel eyes. So I also should mention that the only trapping I have is uh, my loot, which is technically an improvised weapon as well. And that is because it is a modified loot with a metal frame specifically. So, all right. <clears throat> so the backstory for Galazil Hamitson. It didn't take lines of eager fans or sold out concerts for Galazil Hamitson to know his mother was special. Between watching her on stage and watching her in the workshop, he knew she was a woman of many talents. As a young dwarf, Galazil spent countless hours helping her make her signature meticulously handcrafted lutes. Embellished with golden accents and a sturdy metal frame, people would travel all over the Reichland from all over the Reichland to purchase these lutes, sometimes lining up outside of her shop days in advance. One day, many, many years later, Dimzad Dockentroll, the founder of one of the top musical acts in the Reichland, entered her shop to buy a lute, but was stopped in his tracks when he heard her beautiful playing. It was incredible, like nothing he'd ever heard before. He insisted that she join him on the road and become a member of his band. This was an offer she simply couldn't refuse. Leaving her workshop in Galazil's capable hands, she became the newest member of Dimzad Dockentrol and the Sigmar Six. <laughs> Galaz Galazil continued to run the shop, but dreamt of following in his mother's footsteps and becoming a well-known musician someday. Awesome. So I specifically put in there that the lutes being meticulously made and everything have a very sturdy frame built into them, which will uh, acts as a... Uh, item quality for his improvised weapon nice that's cool man. not that he knows how to use it necessarily but it uh right. at the very least it's there that's legit that's cool man uh the the musician dwarf i man that's legit yeah I, it was interesting i literally based that entire character around the fact that you can get play as yeah. a in tier two literally the entirety of that character yeah. all around that that right there hey man it's whatever you gotta grab yeah so yeah and the, the fact that you you know not having any um ability to do um any any sort of uh combat meant that i, mm -hmm. I could i could go a different route and not even have to bother with it so right all right let's hear what you've got lance all right, uh so um i have uh heidi farmer in uh, so I did roll up a human, uh, and, uh, took my 20 XP. Um, I did not roll up a villager, um, despite my attempts. Um, I rolled perhaps the most even keel starting, um, characteristics I've ever rolled except for one. So I rolled all like thirties, 31s and 32, like the whole way through, except I rolled a 40. I rolled, I rolled a 100 or, or not, you know, two tens on one roll. I don't think I've ever done that before. And so I went ahead and because I already knew where I wanted to go with this character, I went ahead and swapped that 40, which I think I had an in intelligence over to toughness. Um, so I could have a 40 in toughness to start for my fate and resilience. I feel like this villager, there's not a lot of fortune in their realm. So uh, with my extra points, I put them all into resilience. Um, so I have a final fate of two and resilience of four. Um, and uh, motivation is authority. 
and we'll we'll get into that because it's a twisted version of authority. Um, I went ahead and took my first five vances uh, into strength uh, to bring my strength up to 34 because it was at a 29. Um, and for my species skills, um, for five advances, I took cool, ranged bow, and charm. Uh, skills with three advances, I took animal care, gossip, and haggle. And I chose a lot of this. Like, I did not build this character and very much to be um, efficient up until later. Um, I did a lot of this based on theme. And when I go into the background story, you see why. Like, I, I made this a very, very villagery type village. Jur, if that makes sense. Um, so, talents. Um, I had doomed, and I did roll my dooming up randomly and got trust not the strength of bridges. So, oh man, oh, I love it. Yeah, isn't that great? I, I feel like that table in the GM screen booklet is it is amazing. It's yeah. one of my favorite tables I have ever rolled on in my whole life. And it also at the same time though it means that I will likely never try to think up my own dooming because yeah. all of those are so good. That's fair. But I mean th I are th when I rolled that I immediately goes, yeah, this character, you know, um goes an additional 20 or 30 miles down the road to take a ferry instead of a bridge now because, to avoid the bridge. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. So um <laughs> I, uh, I took Suave out the gate to get uh, my fellowship up to 36. And random talents. I I pulled uh, Read Write randomly for a villager. So Nice. Yeah. And it was a nice little bonus there. So I got Sturdy and Orientation as the other two. Um, in my skills, I just made sure to make sure all five of my starting career skills or eight of the starting career skills had the five they needed. Um, animal care and gossip already had some. So I put two in those, I put the extra into like outdoor survival so I could, um, bring my outdoor survival up to 40. Um, I took a talent strong mind, which brought my resolve up to five. So this character has five resolve career trappings. I get nothing, got the normal peasant class trappings. Um, and, uh, so Heidi, Gets 45 bonus XP, so 1,045. Um, like you, I needed, I wanted to get out of Tier 1 and into Tier 2 as fast as possible. So I put 5 into Agility and 5 into Toughness um, to get to that level. Put 100 in to go to Tier 2 to Villager. Um, I immediately bought Hardy times 2 for 300 because nice. you got to do that. I feel like you got to. Um, and then I bought very strong for a hundred to get that five bonus to strength, bringing my strength to thirty nine. Which, by the way, with Hardy, two, that's huge. Two levels of Hardy, um, Heidi now has twenty two wounds. Um, I then put plus one in the strength to bring it up to an even forty, bringing my wounds up to twenty three. Um, I put seven advances into melee basic to bring that up to forty. This is my, you know one combat situation. Um, I put four into dodge to bring that up to 40. I put one into haggle to bring that up to 40. And then I bought trade farrier, which is the horseshoe person. Yeah. Um, I put nine into that so that I could bring that up to 40. And then I put uh, one into one additional weapon skill um, for my last 25 experience, just so I used it all up. 
so just that the, uh, it sounds pretty pretty significant, pretty powerful. Yeah, even before hearing the backstory. Yeah, this is a tough. It's tough, man. I got athletics at forty one, charm at forty one, consume alcohol at fifty, dodge at forty, endurance at fifty two, um, gossip, haggle, and intimidate all at forty. Forty one for melee basic and forty for trade farrier. Oh, also forty in outdoor survival and forty in row. Like I maximized the toughness, um, you know, based in uh, strength. Right. And so, why not? Right. Yep. I did. And I, cause I'm like, man, I just, I'm going to use this. I'm going to make this as a tough as nails villager is what, what I was doing. So Heidi Ferriman. So Heidi Ferriman was a hardworking villager um, working in the farm, farmer's fields day in and day out. One day there was a noble carriage going by. Um, when she was visiting uh, the nearby city of Zonstadt, um, and she saw this servant running along the carriage with a huge backpack on, um, and she was just amazed that this servant could keep up how strong he was, and he didn't even look like he was breaking a sweat as his golden locks flew through the air as he uh, as he ran alongside the carriage on their way. It looked like to the dueling ground. Um, so um, that 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 image stuck with her and she kept having dreams over and over again dreams that were vivid like visions almost and she finally it clicked for her Heidi realized that this was the person that was going to save all the villagers from their toil and hard work and be able to bring them all together. Um, and so she learned everything she could about this uh, servant, found out his name was Heinrich and worked for a local n- minor noble in the city. And um, she just did everything. She followed around. She she was always one or two towns behind them, following along, taking odd jobs as she could, um, just trying to emulate every part of her being and what she saw in this servant, this, this beautiful, beautiful, strong man who represented the best of the, uh, the servant and lower class in the empire. And her short-term ambition is to work up the nerve when she finally meets him to talk to Heinrich. And her long-term ambition is to be accepted by Heinrich as his successor. Wow. And that, that's that's impressive. I have to admit, I feel like if I saw Heinrich in real life, I, my reaction would be the same. <laughs> yeah. So that's Heidi F- Farmer in. <laughs> well, folks, those are our characters. So keep an eye out for the polls that we've posted on our webpage, on Facebook and Twitter, and make sure to vote and tell us which character you like the most. The townsman and the villager were very interesting. And I think this has taught me that please you if you see something you roll something up random take an extra 10 or 15 minutes and really dig into the this the the talents and the skills and try to figure out what role would this fill because i feel like we keep proving again and again that every career has hidden potential some more than others for sure but the reality is is that so far, we've yet to do a show where we dig into a career where I don't think, man, there's more to this career than I thought. Yeah, they pretty much all have have some 
some redeeming quality, even ones that at first glance you'd be like, ah, yeah, that's not that's not for me. Right. Right. Like I will say this, even if I weren't to choose something, like if my GM said, look, I need you to play start as this career. So far, every career, even the ones I think I would never choose to take, I would have a way to play them and build them now that I've looked into them deeper. That would be enjoyable for me. So that's the end of our show tonight. Want to wanna call us out, Matt? Let's do it. <clears throat> so intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even show topic suggestions. You can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com. Twitter at Old World Podcast and Facebook.com slash Old World Podcast. And while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and want to help out, become a patron. For only a couple dollars a month, you can help support the show and get some cool rewards too. Check us out at Patreon.com slash Old World Podcast. And if you're looking for an alternative way to support us, check out our merchandise store. We have shirts, stickers, glassware, and more. Check it out at oldworldpodcast.com slash store. Also, make sure to let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. And this is Lance saying good night. And if you see your Heinrich running next to the carriage... Beware of the dreams that follow. Wow. <laughs> this is Matt saying goodnight, and keep an eye out for the new tour of Dimzod Dock Control and the Sigmar 6 coming to a town near you. Ooh, that's good. I like that. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW, Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC. 